I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Hard Run Box podcast. In today's episode, we are talking about Intel GPUs with the recent release of the Arc A580. We're going through a recap of that product and just talking about how close Intel are to getting our recommendation for GPUs. I think they might be pretty close. Also, a bit of a look at fluid motion frames, AMD's driver-based frame generation feature. A little bit of talk about that. And then, of course, our off-topic chat where Steve talks about some very interesting things about his garden that you'll love to listen to. So stay tuned for that very exciting. Let's get into the podcast. Steve, 1 million subscribers. We hit it this week after a lot of work. I think it's party time. (laughs) Yeah, let's, this podcast, we're just partying for the whole thing. I don't know what that looks like, but (laughs) (laughs) that's what we're doing apparently. Yeah, it's the same, same as always. I haven't got a cake. I haven't got any streamers or banners or anything. It's just, that's the celebration around here. Normal. (laughs) Yeah, just normal. Uh, I guess, yeah, it's a good milestone to hit. I don't have too much to say about it. It's not like I thought we'd hit a million or I didn't think we'd hit a million. I I guess from day one, I've never really had any expectations. It's like I just do my thing. I create the content that I enjoy creating. And if you happen to like it, that's cool. You can watch it. How many people are going to watch Blue Bar Graphs on YouTube? I wasn't sure, uh, but we never sort of set out with any sort of targets or, or whatever. And it's the same with your monitor reviews, right? You just review the monitors that, well, in a format that you find interesting and enjoy doing. And yeah, if it ends much. up working, it works. Uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely good. Uh, but as far as anything else, it doesn't change anything. Like, you know, we still got to keep working the way we've been working, keep doing what we've been doing. Uh, it's not like you sort of get to a million, you're like, well, we've made it. Uh, let's put our feet <laughs> up and enjoy the rewards. It's like, yeah, no, you got to get that video done. So and, don't even um, unlock any like cool YouTube features or anything. It's just it ticks over and you're like, Okay, the numbers, it's added an extra digit now, which is nice. Yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, thanks to everyone that's um, been watching mm-hmm. the Hard Box channel over the years and has found it important to hit the subscribe button. Obviously, on YouTube these days, you can just get our videos on the home screen without hitting subscribe. So obviously, a lot of people want mm-hmm. this sort of extra, you know, the nicety of ha- having it subscribed. So yeah, thanks to everyone that's 
subscribed over the years. I, I remember a couple of years ago, back when I sort of joined the Hard Run Box channel, I'd finished my engineering degree and I was sort of sitting, sitting around thinking, oh, you know, should I become an engineer, get like a fairly safe, boring job working, consulting on trains or something like that, or uh, do this whole YouTube business and see whether mm-hmm. that will go anywhere. And I was pretty confident that there was something in Hard Run Box that would sort of go somewhere whether that mm-hmm. not necessarily a million sub channel or anything, but I think when I joined, it was like 50,000, 100,000 subs somewhere around there. Yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, sort of took the, took the punt on it. I thought, okay, well, may as well. well, we'll give this a try, see if it works. And yeah, obviously a lot of hard work and years and years of, you know, ba- back in the old days, we were making three, four videos each a week, trying to hit a video mm-hmm. every single day, sort of getting on the grind. And yeah, now we've sort of got that seven digit number in the YouTube studio app, which is, yeah, kind of nice, I guess. It's, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it'd be cool to get the play button and things like that. I just got the other day, the monitors unboxed 100,000 sub, the silver play button for that channel. Nice. So sort of getting that and then the 1 million gold for hardware unboxed would be nice. So, yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Balin made me laugh. He said to me the night that we were looking like, like the next day we would hit the million. Uh, he said to me, he goes, it's, it's kind of funny that it's your, it's an arc video that's going to get you over the line to the million. <laughs> I found that <laughs> quite funny. Uh, yes yes not not what we would have expected if we went back six years ago to say what will be the video that we do to get a million subs an intel gpu yeah i mean we were obviously going to get there anyway but you know that video did still speed it up because that video has a couple of hundred subscribers gained on it so it it, it wasn't it wasn't it was a net positive for sure um and yeah it accelerated how quickly we got over the line mm-hmm. but he just made he made me laugh with that one that was quite funny well you promised a fancy dinner when we hit one million subs that i will attend my partner will attend i think you and, uh, and your partner will attend and everyone will come is that still yeah. on i haven't got an invite uh, yet what's going on Where, where's the part? sure i'll um i've got some really important products i'm reviewing right now but once that's sorted out we'll, we'll do our dinner nice oh, i'm um, looking forward to it Lots of good places out near you, so I'm keen. Yep. We yep. Hit, hit the one million sub party hard and, yeah, have yeah, a bit yeah. of fun. Um, that's not the main topic of this week, though. The one million subs is, okay, is nice, fine. but we have actually been doing some other work and not just looking at the sub counter slowly creep up. I think the first thing that we want to talk about is the Intel Arc A580, which you reviewed the, this week. The, the video that made it all possible. Exactly. This big, important video about a sub $200 Intel GPU, which I, I think if we looked back a year ago when Arc GPUs launched and you were sort of saying, oh, you know, an A580 is probably not going to be that exciting, like no one's really going to be talking about it too much. But it looks like the video did surprisingly well in terms of views and, and getting people mm-hmm. interested in it. It's not... I wouldn't say it's the most mm. interesting product, but did you want to give a brief recap of exactly what the A580 is? Um, yeah, we can definitely do that. I was when when you were talking about it a year ago when we were you know discussing it. Yeah, the A580, not the most exciting product in the world, and I just kept thinking to myself. Obviously, it didn't work out for reasons that probably it wasn't technically possible or physically possible or whatever. But could you imagine if Intel was able to release? these gpus during the mining boom like oh, um, imagine so much better uh, imagine yeah an a580 like an rdna2 competitor at that time and i kept thinking that while i was reviewing it i mean i know we're what, 
two years removed from that now, thereabouts. Yeah. I thought, you know, this isn't a bad product. It's a competitive product, but also in the current market, it's pretty underwhelming because the parts that is competing with are very underwhelming. So that's, yeah, it's kind of like opportunity miss, but if they could have done it, they would have done it. It's not like they were like, oh, we've got all these products ready. We're just going to sit here and, you know, wait around. That certainly, I'm not suggesting that was the case, but man, it would have been amazing if they could have released Arc because timing's everything, right? But anyway. Well, I think it was a, the silicon itself was pretty much ready to go or close to it, but it was more the driver side of things that were holding mm. it back. And even when it did launch, they were obviously driver mm-hmm. issues at the time. And I think as well, back then, the rumors were suggesting more that a, a card like a the A, what's the top one? The A7. A77. A770. A770. That's right. The Arc A770. That that was supposed to be more of a GeForce RTX 3070 type performer slash competitor. Mm-hmm. Which during the mining boom, like those were going for over thousand dollars US. Um, obviously five hundred dollar MSRP. So it would have been at least double that. Um, you know they could have been selling that card for yeah. I would have thought seven hundred, eight hundred dollars pretty easily. Whether or not that would be mm-hmm. the MSRP is another question. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess that timing they sort of missed that the the performance ended up being pretty much a tier lower as well which would have hurt them a little bit but yeah i mean these cards are sort of sub 300 dollars now they definitely could have been selling them for double that if it came out Mm -hmm. back then yeah go ahead with your recap what is the a580 i think probably the easiest way to describe it is it's basically close enough to call it a radeon rx 6600 which they're selling typically for about $210 US. Intel's targeting $180 US, so $30 off. Probably the the key negatives to the A580 would be the fact that it's very power hungry, both in terms of idle and load power draw. Uh, And then the fact that, you know, while Intel has done a great job, they've come a long way. They're still driving niggles here and there, and they, you know, continually crop up with new games. We saw the problems with Starfield, which was particularly frustrating for me and probably other reviewers, The Last of Us Part 1 as well. So yeah, I think the two main things are sort of inconsistent performance across a range of games, sometimes completely broken performance, which is probably a bigger issue. Like if you're getting 20, 30% less performance than you should be, but the game's still comfortably playable, but you can't get like you know your high refresh rate experience or something like that, but you can still play the game and enjoy it upon release and it will get better over time, then that's not so bad. But when it's completely broken to the point where no matter how low your standards are, it's really just not playable, that's a problem. Yeah. And that's sort of been the problem with Arc. And is it worth saving $30 US uh, to get that product when you know, you've had the RX 6600? I think that product's even been down as low as $180 US uh, quite a few months ago now. Either way, it's pretty close in terms of price uh, and you don't have to deal with all those headaches. Like generally speaking, the Radeon GPUs work in all games pretty well at this point in time. Certainly better than the RTX 3050. So I think, um, unless I'm forgetting something, I think they were the two main issues. And in my review, it was, yeah, Starfield and The Last of Us Part 1. And why that was particularly frustrating was because on the October the 4th, I can't remember, there was a, there was a recent driver release from Intel that addressed performance, or at least, yeah, it addressed the performance in some capacity in those games earlier on but those fixes didn't make it into the review driver for the a580 so it fixed it for the a750 and the a770 mm-hmm. but not the new a580 yeah really annoying like a bit of an oversight there and then intel got us the fixed driver for starfield the day the video was to go out so like that morning and it was meant to go out midnight that night but balen had already 
you know, spent a ton of time editing the video. And so I'd have to go back, retest those games, update our data, update our average data, potentially change, well, change those sections of the video, potentially amend the conclusion. It's a lot of work. It just wasn't going to happen in the time that we had uh, available to us, especially with everything else we had going on. So yeah, I noticed yeah. Um, Paul from Paul's Hardware, he managed to get his game updated and change that. It really depends on where you are. Um, if we were really struggling to get the video done in time, um, for some other reasons that freed me up to do the testing, then we could have done that and we could have made the changes. But yeah, when, you, when you're done and dusted on a video with like 12 hours to go, you don't want to start all over again. And really, Intel should have had all of that stuff locked away more than a week in advance. So yeah, just frustrating there. But also, um, Starfield's been out for like, what, a month? And people were still having performance issues on Arc GPUs a month later. Mm-hmm. So... I feel like that's something that's relevant to the review when you're giving consumer advice. Like it's still, you know, you could buy this product, be pumped to play an upcoming game and not be able to play it in any capacity for a whole month. So that's a big downside of the product, right? Yeah. Like obviously, ideally, the review would have all the updated data in it. But Mm -hmm. I think, you know, how useful is it to have Intel come out and just basically like rush the patch in at the very last minute just so that the reviews could reflect that Starfield is fixed versus broken? Because as you say, Mm -hmm. like people with Arc GPUs for the past month haven't been able to play the game at a reasonable level of performance uh, Mm -hmm. or certainly reduced performance compared to the latest drivers. So that sort of would be my main concern around Intel products is that you really never know what games are going to be the good games and what games are going to be the broken games. Because across mm-hmm. like a GeForce or Radeon products, these days it's very rare to find a game that just does not work on one brand's mm-hmm. GPU. Like generally speaking, you can play any game, even if it's like an obscure indie game or some really old title. And while it may not have like the best cutting edge level of performance because they haven't bothered to optimize a driver for like a 10-year-old game, typically speaking, it will at least work and allow you to play the game. Whereas with Intel they've come a long way. Like previously, I remember you testing the original version of these GPUs and it was like there were lots of games where performance was well below expected or just didn't work or there was graphical mm-hmm. issues in the game so it may work but then you're not getting the, the image quality that you'd expect. Even today, there are still those chances that you know a game that's coming up may not work or you know that your favorite game from 10 years ago that you want to revisit because it's your favorite title maybe that doesn't work because it just hasn't been in the the mm-hmm. group of games that Intel has optimized for. And of course, it's very difficult to optimize every single PC game because there are so many of them. There are th- How many games are on Steam? Like tens of thousands of games. Yeah. Can't count them. So yeah, I think that's sort of what would make me not want to purchase an Arc GPU if it's sort of a similar price to a Radeon or GeForce GPU is that sort of, you, you just don't know whether a game that you're excited about that's coming out may not work and it may not work for for weeks or even a month like we saw with Starfield. So I guess that ha- they'll have to improve the level of trust there with their driver releases and the level of performance across all games to the point where you can sort of sit there and say, well, pretty much any game you want to play is likely to work quite well. Um, but I just, yeah, I mean, if we've got an example that's as recent as Starfield having issues for weeks, then... I don't think we're quite at that point yet. Yeah, I mean, Starfield's a really bad example for Intel for two reasons, two main reasons. One being that, you know, it's been out for a month. 
this card launches and with the current driver, it got something like 16 frames per second on average using the medium quality settings at 1080p. I don't really care what your standards are. No one can consider that playable, surely. No. And the RTX 3050 wasn't good there, but you were getting 36 frames per second on average. Mm-hmm. So going down a low, that would get certainly get you closer to 60, um, even if it's only you know, just over 40 or whatever, 45 frames per second. That's yeah. But even at 36, that's playable. Not great experience, but if you're stuck on an RTX 3050, Starfield comes out and you really want to play it and you love the game, at least you can play it in some capacity. And then the RX 6600, that was close to about 50 frames per second on medium. So again, low would get you closer to 60. Not a great experience, but again, very playable mm-hmm. by the, the lower de- the lower standards of playable. But it's also a big major problem for Intel because it's Starfield. If they can have these really horrific performance-related problems in a major title, like one of the biggest titles of the year, you know, if you're really pumped because you're into some franchise that's lesser known or not as popular and arc gpus don't work well in that and it took them a month for starfield how long is it going to take for a game that's not that popular but you personally love and really want to play is it a month is it two months is it three months does it ever get fixed Uh, especially people aren't benchmarking with it so it's a big risk there And, and we've seen with older games like you can have problems with radeon or geforce gpus because they do get a lot less attention but anyway, the fact that Starfield's such a mega title and I had problems for a month is just one of the concerns that we're talking about. And it's just because Intel has so much driver optimization work that they have to do because this is the first generation of GPU. So we don't want to knock them and put them down. like They're doing a really good job. But it's also something you have to highlight when you're giving consumer advice that this is a real concern with their products. The consolidation of game engines largely towards Unreal Engine, that is going to help arc gpus over time is the majority of smaller indie games things that you know you want to play that maybe not everyone's playing but as you say it's sort of like your favorite game or from your favorite franchise over time it's been more and more likely that those games are being produced using unreal engine and the intel arc performance on unreal engine games is generally okay it's when we get to these more unique bespoke engines particularly things like you know the creation engine from starfield when was the last time intel would have had to optimize a game for the creation engine the previous game would have been what fallout 76 and then fallout 4 which were released quite a long time ago now Mm -hmm. and you know you look at the last of us part one again that's using a custom game engine it's not using something like unreal engine where they could theoretically optimize for the engine in general and then all the games that are released using that engine will hopefully work quite well on Arc GPUs. So I guess over time, they're going to be tackling all these different individual engines and you'd you'd hope that the work that they put into Starfield now is going to set them up well for a future Bethesda title if they continue to use the creation engine. Mm -hmm. But there are still going to be titles coming out that aren't using a major well-known engine that's they've been able to optimize for you know something like alan wake 2 i believe does not use the unreal engine and that's just about to come out so it'll be interesting to see whether you know the optimizations for remedies engine have been put into the arc gpus whether that game runs well on arc because i think that's gonna that's gonna keep coming up and i guess the difficulty there is that you're more likely to run into major games that use a different engine than you would be a smaller game right like Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. indie developers are not using their own custom engines most of the time they stick to unreal engine 
Whereas a major title like Starfield can have the development resources to do something a bit different. And yeah, if Intel just doesn't have the ability to fix that before launch, then they're kind of in these positions. So I, I do expect that this will definitely improve over time. It, it, it seems like Intel are very committed to improving the driver situation across all these games. There was certainly some rumors, discussion back when Arc launched that Intel would just cancel the whole program, just throw it in the bin and be like, oh, it's... Obviously, it's too hard to get these consumer GPUs working in all games, but they absolutely have not done that in any capacity. They have been, it seems like they're flat out basically fixing all these issues. Like how often have you flagged an issue for Intel for only for them to like fix it relatively quickly in a future driver? Yeah, I mean, very quickly they're on it. The The GPU side, the GPU team of Intel seem much more proactive in fielding our questions and addressing issues than the CPU side. They seem mm -hmm. a bit more complacent, maybe. I'm not sure what the best word to use there is, but they're yeah, less concerned with feedback from us and and addressing any kind of issues or whatever. Whereas the GPU team's just on it. Like they're it's almost like a different company, very committed, very driven. Um, yeah, just all over it. So I've been really impressed with how they've handled stuff. Uh, and it's easy to give them a hard time and say, well, this doesn't work and this and that, but their, their backs, yeah, their backs are against it. Like it's pretty impressive what they've managed to do uh, in a relatively short period of time. But as I said, there's still some of those issues. But yeah, and, we, and we've seen them obviously reduce price into combat. This at the right price, a lot of people are probably willing to take the risk mm -hmm. because there is, you know, more more often than not, the games do work at a satisfactory level. So yeah. I think I tested with 12 new newish games or you know 12 games in total most of which were newish and there were two with problems both of which have been addressed now but just weren't in time for the reviews which as I said was an oversight they probably should have prioritized that but whatever cuz good chance reviewers were using like the last was part 1 and Starfield for testing $180 is an aggressive price for that silicon given that it's a relatively well it is a large GPU it's a cut down you know um in terms of specifications but it's it's a it's the same die that you'll see with the the A750 and A770. So it's definitely defective silicon in a sense um, because you know it would suck to sell it for $180 when you can get more for an A770. Though the A750s have been pretty cheap. Yeah. I think that's a big problem for the A580, which suggests that you know the MSRP is $180, but how long is it going to be selling at $180 for? Probably not that long. I think it'll be $160 before... Uh, before you know it, maybe even as low as $150. $150, if the Radeon GPU is still $210, yeah, it's pretty hard not to go with an A580, I'd say, unless you're playing like a game where you know the performance is bad and it's not getting fixed for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't see the but, RX 6600 hitting $150. The, the floor of that product well, seems to yeah. be around just under 200 Yeah, I think if it dropped to 180 and then it was down to 150 again you get that same sort of dollar value mm -hmm. difference and then it's like well yeah i probably just got the radeon gpu but if you're looking at like double that like 60 dollars yeah at that sort of price point 60 dollars is quite a lot of money i think it's a reasonable buy for people that you know there, there are people like me who game and i play a, a whole bunch of tiles throughout the year like i could play 15 20 different games throughout the year but there are people who do play like you with Fortnite, one game or two games, like they have their favorite multiplayer title and that mm -hmm. forms the majority of their gaming. It may not even mm -hmm. be a multiplayer title. Someone could be really into like City Skylines or one of those sort of building mm -hmm. apps or The Sims or something like that. 
where you, you just have your game, you play it, you're really into it, you put a thousand hours, two thousand hours into it. And if you know that Intel Arc works really well for that game and it's the most affordable GPU, then it basically becomes a really good purchase. Like if you're that sort of gamer that it applies to, then yeah, there's really no reason not to consider it. Obviously, they can't price it at the same level as Radeon or GeForce because they have to factor in the gamers that do play a wider variety of games that are going to be considering other types of you know, GPUs. But yeah, for that sort of niche game, I wouldn't say it's a niche gamer because there are lots of gamers that do that. They just play one game on their PC. Then yeah, you're getting a lot of the you know, software side features and things like video encoding, you still get they support AV1 encoding, don't they? So they've got that in there. If you did want to stream that one game, they've got yep. XCSS support as well, which, you know, I'm surprised at how many titles have been integrating XCSS. I think Intel's done a very good job of trying to get that into as many games as possible. Of course, you can use FSR as well if you want to. So they're not at nearly as far away from me recommending one or you recommending one, I don't think, than they were a year ago. They are much closer. And I think with a, a future generation, they're probably going to get pretty close to, you know, provided that the performance is right and the pricing is right, to sort of us not sitting here saying, well, you know, you've got to take into consideration these games that may not work at all and you've got to factor that in and it needs to be a lower price. Mm-hmm. I think they're getting pretty close now to a point where a recommendation is just around the corner. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I do agree with that. Yeah, a, a, a sort of more general recommendation, I guess, because yep. there's always sort of caveats like if power is really expensive in your region, then you know something that's using 50 watts more, or sorry, 50% more power rather at idle, not great. Uh, but I think for you know, probably people gaming in Australia, for example, I don't think that that would be as much of a problem. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, it depends on how much power is in your region, stuff like that. But again, it is putting out more heat as well because it does use quite a lot more power than competing parts. But yeah, I think if they get the performance a bit more consistent, then yeah, at a discounted price, it'd be a good buy. I think the next generation of products, Battle Mage, which I don't quite know exactly when they'll be coming out. I think rumors are suggesting 2024 which is again mm-hmm. very approaching very quickly um mm-hmm. but i would be expecting next year at some point they do have an opportunity here to put themselves in a position to make gpus that are recommended from day one as opposed to you know oh consider this consider that consider this and i think i, I guess the main lesson that i'd hopefully that intel has learned with this generation is that they have to price these gpus correctly they can't put do a radeon do an amd where they think that their next generation of products is at the level of their immediate competitors. This is not going to be a situation where a Battle Mage GPU is going to come out and is immediately competitive with GeForce and therefore deserves to be priced on par with NVIDIA's products. If they come out and they use a fairly similar pricing structure to what they're doing now, where they've got these GPUs, they're acknowledging where the performance is, they're pricing it aggressively to get people interested in those products, I think that will be a winning strategy for the next generation where you know we're continuing to see Nvidia with nothing available for buyers at a reasonably low price point like that the current generation there's a $300 GPU and that, that's the minimum that you're getting from the 40 series if Intel continues to target the the lower to mid parts of the market is very aggressive on price then i think the next generation could be good like that that's what gamers want they want a gpu that's affordable we want to see advancements in that lower tier of the market 
And Intel is certainly in a position, at least in my opinion, to do that, especially when they've got features like XCSS. I, I imagine they'll be working on a frame generation technology and other features to bring them up to parity with what NVIDIA is doing. They've so, shown they've got the resources to do it. Like they are dumping resources into this pro- project. So I, I think Battle Mage is going to be a very different proposition to what we've seen this generation. I think it could be good I, I don't know that's just a, that's just a guess like it's hard to predict the future obviously <laughs> but that's my guess i guess yeah i mean it's going to be another step forward for them surely and that gets them a step cl- i mean i know continually move so they are sort of a few generations behind especially in terms of efficiency but yeah they do they do they do need to take some big steps forward to eventually catch up they can't sort of be always lagging that generation or two behind which is a problem yes. amd had for quite a while but also as you you made a good point with like the geforce competition if it wasn't for the the pesky discounted rdna2 gpus the a580 would actually be really good value at 180 dollars us though they might not price it that low if it wasn't for the competition on the radeon side so yep you know, there is that. But I guess Prime Trial Makers, compared to the RTX 3050, it's the uh, if you gave me the choice of an RTX 3050 or an A580, and I think RTX 3050 is in the best examples, they're down to about $220, mm-hmm. I would I would take the A580 because it's just, when, when it's working, which, again, is most of the time, it is way faster than the 3050 in most games. So The RTX 3050 is a terrible product. Yes, like it's a terrible flat product. Out terrible, terrible product. And yeah, I guess just continues to show Nvidia's lack of interest in that sort of sub three hundred, sub two hundred and fifty dollar market. They just don't care, which is why they're yeah. making these terrible products. So yeah, I mean, I, I think you do bring up a very good point about the efficiency. These products are made on a similar node to RDNA two GPUs, yet they are significantly more power hungry. So again, again, I guess that goes back to Intel probably targeting a higher level of performance for these cards than what they ended up delivering, which would have made the power consumption a lot more palatable because they'd be competing in a higher tier with higher power consumption AMD and NVIDIA GPUs. But that's clearly something that they're going to need to improve to yeah. get a recommendation from a future gen. Sure. And you know, I've seen mixed comments where people are really impressed and blown away by how far Intel's come in the last year or so with arc and i agree with that with that opinion and then you see people who are like oh this is terrible the power efficiency is awful you know there's no way intel is going to be able to make this work and what a disaster and i'm like yeah okay it doesn't look great but it's their first real discrete gpu generation i know they've had discrete gpus of (laughs) (laughs) different sort of but this is their real first proper go at it the current generation Radeon and GeForce GPs, while they're a new generation, they're based on a new architecture, they're a refinement of a technology that's been developed over decades, or at least, you know, a lot of a lot of what is at its core has been relevant for a long period of time. It wasn't just something they just, you know, oh well, let's start over again, you know, throw everything out and we'll start again and create a new GPU architecture. It's it's a, a refined process. At AMD, uh, sorry, Intel doesn't have that to lean on. They don't have this history of making GPUs. It's not like a third or fourth generation of refined GPU architecture. So it's not going to be as efficient. So give them a couple of generations to, to work yeah. it out. And they, they should. That's why I guess with Battle Mage, it is important that they do make some pretty large steps because it should be easier to, to make those steps without an architecture that's heavily refined. We can't just say like all these things are 
super acceptable, but Intel are mm-hmm. factoring that into the price. Like it's not that they're sitting here saying, well, we've made this inefficient architecture and we're charging you equivalent to current gen, much more efficient architectures. Like they're just, mm-hmm. they're not doing that. So it makes it much easier to have that leeway to Intel for, yeah, not getting everything right, as you would expect from a first generation architecture. You're not expecting them to nail absolutely everything. And they've factored that into the price, which means that consumers are not just bearing the brunt of their inefficient architecture for the moment. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I would expect that a future generation is going to be taking some steps to improve the efficiency, improve the performance and things like that. And again, they've shown a commitment to be, you know, they're, they're working on this. They're not just being lazy and just calling it a day. Like, they seem to be working very hard on these products and I would expect, yeah, these things to be improved in the next generation. Even then, like we're talking about products that are $180 US. Like back in the day, GPUs like the RX 580 and RX480 were really good products in that entry-level $200 price tier and they weren't especially efficient compared to NVIDIA's architectures of the time. Like they were known to be power hungry. And that was always one of the trade-offs that you would mention at the end of the reviews is like, well, this is a really good value, good performing card, but its power consumption is not amazing compared to the NVIDIA GPUs. And they still were quite a successful generation, like really good products. So Mm -hmm. Intel still has the ability to, you know, provide they get everything else right about a product, deliver a really good product, even if the efficiency isn't world's you know, a world beating efficiency level like you might see from an RTX 40 series product if they made one at $180, which they're just not going to do. So, yeah, no, that, that, that's a good point. And that's worth clarifying because, yeah, I'm certainly not saying the power consumption is a deal breaker at all. I don't think there's anything that's really a deal breaker with the A580, apart from if you want to play a specific game where it just doesn't work properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, and again, had they had Starfield, or rather, had the A five eighty review driver launched with the Starfield fix and the Last of Us Part One fix, my review certainly would have been more favorable. We still would have said, you know, there's some games that have some sort of graphical artifact issues or performance related issues, so be aware of that. Maybe research your favorite games before buying this thing. But it would have been a more favorable review, and it would have got much closer to being a sort of value recommendation. And that's what you've sort of alluded to already. Like, it's not that far off being, you know, the best value recommendation for low-end entry-level gaming. It's 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 right there. There's just a, a little bit more work that needs to be done, which is basically what I said in my conclusion. Uh, they've done a lot of work over the last 12 months, a little bit more work, and I think they'll be there. Yep, and having three GPU vendors all vying for... You know, maybe they don't have the performance crown. Maybe they're not all delivering RTX 4090-type products. But again, most gamers, most people building PCs are not buying RTX 4090s. They are buying, you know, these lower tier products. And eventually, you know, to get the marketing boom, as we've talked about with NVIDIA in the past, to get that sort of marketing that allows for big gains in market share and things like that, they will at some point have to be producing high-end products that deliver mind share and those sorts of things. And they're going to have to deliver on all the features as well. That will come at some point. But so long as we have good competitive products in the, I'd say probably sub $500 market, that's when the PC gaming is the healthiest, right? Like when people can go out and buy good quality GPUs, they don't have to spend $2,000 on their entire system. They can get a pretty good PC for like $800 or even less, like console level $500 would be ideal. 
then that's when PC gaming starts to boom and get really exciting and people are going out, they're building PCs because they're actually very compelling, affordable purchases. They're not just this premium luxury good, which is kind of where it is at the moment. Like they're kind of, mm. to get a really good experience, they're kind of luxury-ish. So yeah, having these three competitors going at it, I think is going to be really good for the PC market. And yeah, I just hope Intel continues to invest in it and they have the faith in it to continue to make these products good because yeah, that's just going to improve the improve things for everyone. I agree. Fingers crossed. I mean, the industry, I don't know. I'm not sure I even how to describe it, but things are, I don't want to sound too dramatic or too negative because we came from like the whole cryptocurrency thing where you couldn't buy a GPU at all and they were two, three times the price, whereas that's not the situation now. It's still massively underwhelming. Like what? Mm-hmm. how much it, it costs to build a decent PC. This generation in terms of cost per frame sucks really across the board. It's not not good. And that's a three-year thing we're talking about. So the last time GPUs were good was when you couldn't actually buy them. And then by the time you could buy them, you didn't really want to. And then the new GPUs came along, didn't move things forward. And then the CPU front's been pretty crap as well. Like Zen 4 is okay, but it's not probably the the step forward we wanted. Then initially motherboard prices were really bad and they've they've improved a lot. They're probably not where we'd want them, but they're, they're a lot better. DDR5 prices have certainly improved. But it's it's kind of like the the Radeon six thousand series thing where they launched, they were pretty exciting upon launch, and people were interested in them, but they were just so expensive they didn't make sense to buy. And by the time they made sense to buy, a lot of the enthusiasm for them had had gone. So now we're yeah. sort of waiting for Zen five. We hope the Zen five is a good step forward. We're waiting for the probably what's going to be like the fifteenth generation core series, not the refresh. So. That'll be sometime next year, I imagine. So we're waiting for new exciting CPUs, and then obviously we're waiting for a big step forward in GPU performance, or at least GPU value. I think if we get those things next year, then yeah, it could be really exciting again. You sort of need to be able to buy the core of like the CPU platform, like so CPU motherboard and memory for around $300, I would say, like getting sort of a good level there would be, again, sort of, revitalizing the PC space a bit. I don't know how close you would get on a Zen 5 platform to getting everything for around $300, but that certainly sets you up well for if there is a $200 GPU that's good and you know, obviously you have to factor in storage, power supply, case, those sorts of things. You can start to get to the you know PCs that aren't ridiculously expensive. And mm-hmm. yeah, I agree that like a Zen 4 hasn't really done that necessarily like it's obviously delivered good levels of performance for for mid-range and up but yeah the the mainstream budget class has always carried the pc market Mm -hmm. and you know i get the reasons why they're not focusing on that area too much at the moment but yeah that that sort of stuff does need to improve and i think at least i'm hoping I, i don't know whether they will but it feels like the next generation needs to have this reset sort of of like what all the companies are going to be doing in marketing and what their products are so that we are getting these value improvements. Everything seems a bit more exciting. We're now well beyond the sort of cryptocurrency. There's overstocks or understocks or whatever. Hopefully the next generation will allow these companies to sort of reevaluate what they should be marketing and should be producing and then go forward and have products that are genuinely very exciting from the start. And I think things like Battlemage has the opportunity to do that because they will likely be targeting the lower end of the market. AMD has the opportunity to do that if they take the the messages that we've sort of been saying for the past years and so on. And obviously, yeah, CPUs and things like that have that opportunity. I'm not expecting NVIDIA to do anything, which is why I haven't really mentioned them there. But these other companies, I think, have the 
there's at least the potential there to have a reset and not have to worry too much about, you know, releasing a new GPU and then there being tens of thousands of units of stock of the old card that you have to somehow do something with. I, I think all of that will be fixed next gen. But again, that's just a guess. I, I have no idea and I could be 100% wrong. <laughs> so what you're saying is the the hopes and dreams of gamers are pinned on Battle Mage. because 100%. NVIDIA is almost certainly going to be still focused heavily on AI and prioritizing supply there. Mm-hmm. So I can't see stuff changing too much uh, from NVIDIA. And then AMD will just cock it up. Um, they're sort of nowhere on the AI front, but they're obviously going to try and prioritize that as well because they want to make those sweet dollars as well. So they'll be just following along in NVIDIA's tracks and trying to trying to do the same thing. So I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, but I'm... I'm doubtful. I'm not that hopeful. I should be hopeful, but yeah, yeah hopefully, um, hopefully Intel's stuff's pretty good anyway because that'll put some pressure on them. We'll yeah. see. I think it depends how many lessons they learn versus how many lessons they don't learn. And mm. I, I, I'd be very interested to see in the upcoming. Not to get too much on attention, there are some other topics I want to talk about, but it'd be very interesting to see in the upcoming, you know, financial reports from these companies, in particular AMD and Nvidia what their gaming revenue is looking like versus AI for NVIDIA because obviously NVIDIA's stock price has been shooting to the moon recently, but the gaming revenue hasn't necessarily been picking up on pace with sort of the AI divisions and things. So it'll be interesting, you know, if these companies are sort of not really making too many gains in the gaming division, whether that will lead to changes or whether they'll all just be masked by AI boom, data center, server side things. I guess it just depends how much priority they place on it. Because realistically, like a gaming division that's flat over the past couple of years should be leading the executives in charge of that division to make some changes to make the gaming products more compelling and increase the revenue from that division. But if someone even higher up than that is going, well, don't worry about the gaming division. Like we don't care because data center is just like a straight line upwards. Um then you know the decision making at those companies is going to be very different. So I guess mm-hmm. a lot of that hinges on that, and yeah, we'll, we'll have a very good idea just how well these products are selling with some of those numbers in the sort of coming quarters. So again, we'll see. I guess it's time to talk about a, a feature and a product. It's not really a product; it's a feature that I don't think will ever be good, and that is AMD Fluid Motion Frames. So last week we talked about FSR three frame generation. Love loved that. If we could revisit it, that'd be good. Yeah. We'll not be revisiting it too much in today's in today's uh, podcast, but last week, FSR3, that's the game integrated version of frame generation. So game developers have to take the technology, put it into their games. They utilize things like motion vectors and so on to create a generated frame image. With AMD Fluid Motion Frames, they're taking the frame interpolation technology and putting it straight into the driver. So you can use this with any game that you want to, they're calling it AMD Fluid Motion Frames. It is labeled as a preview, which does make some, I guess, a slightly different discussion. But yeah, you can just turn this on in every game, provided you have an RX 7000 series or RX 6000 series GPU, and you're using this preview driver. So it's not in the main driver branch, it's in this like weird side branch. So you kind of have to decide whether you want the latest GPU features or Fluid Motion Frames, bit weird there. But yes, I've been testing this at the time that we're recording this podcast, my video is not 100% finished, but it probably will be out by the time this podcast goes out. So you'll be able to go and watch this. Yeah, not not a not great. It, it, it is pretty much the, the conclusion to this. Like, 
a lot of the quality that you get from FSR3 frame generation is from motion vectors. Like they're telling the, the technology where different elements on screen are in the next frame. So then they can sort of go, okay, well, let's halve the distance and make it look nice and clear. And then only for some areas of the image, you get that sort of weird blurry garbling where it doesn't quite know what's going on. It has to use optical flow to sort of, I don't know, do something to make it this sort of generated frame. With fluid motion frames, it's like that optical flow generation for part of the image now is all of the image, which as you might expect, doesn't work very well. Like you're getting no input, which is obviously one of our main criticisms of frame generation. And then you're not really getting like, I think last week we talked about as kind of like reverse motion blur. Like when you have a low frame rate, you, you turn on the technology, it actually tries to increase your clarity, increase your smoothness to sort of hide that you're running it at a, a slightly lower frame rate. With fluid motion frames, it's basically just like, it, it, it looks like motion blur. Like the blur from these frames is no good. I know it's like a tech preview. Like they're saying, this is, you know, we're working on this feature. It currently doesn't work with a whole bunch of things like HDR doesn't work with, it doesn't work with vSync on. There's a whole bunch of issues there that you can sort of excuse from being a preview. But the fundamental aspect of it is that they don't have any game input into the frame generation tech. It has to go just purely on what was the previous frame, what's the next frame, what are we going to do to put something in the middle of these two frames? And without that extra data, I just don't think those frames could ever look good. All the, you remember back with DLSS3 how I talked about all those UI issues? Like you move the mm -hmm. mouse and the, the cursor goes all crazy and the text looks all crap. Well, yeah, you, you, you get that with AMD fluid motion frames. And I don't think taking this out of a preview version and fixing HDR and all that stuff will ever fix that problem. Maybe, maybe with AI they could do it, but mm -hmm. yeah, just like quality's not good. Yeah, it seems like something they could do one day but uh, I don't think the technology is quite there to facilitate that sort of feature. Uh, and it do doesn't sound like, doesn't sound like that's the case. Uh, and also, if it's just a preview because things like HDR aren't working, that's also concerning. Like if it's a preview because it's sort of a preview in the term, in the sense that this is not the final quality, like it will get better. We're just showing that it's technically possible and we're going to refine it and you'll get you know, a better picture then. Okay, we'll see. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure what qualifies it as a preview. If it's just the fact that it's like, it's got known compatibility issues. I think it's more the known compatibility issues thing. Like their driver, mm -hmm. they've got this list of, yeah, again, it's like you have to have it running HDR off, vSync off. And that's sort of, I guess, the main considerations that they've got there. Whereas like the quality of the frames looks like it doesn't look the same as FSR3 because FSR3 uses motion vectors to make it look a lot better. But if you exclusively looked at those areas that were using optical flow to, it doesn't really know what's going on. It's trying to generate something there. The quality looks pretty similar. Like it, it doesn't seem to me like the fluid motion frame component is using like a really low, terrible quality of frame generation. It's just the simple fact that when you don't have much information to go on, you've only got these frames to work from. It's not not that much that you can realistically do to create like a really super high quality frame. And again, they're trying to like they they're putting these low quality frames in between the high quality frames, so you kind of at times avoid seeing the blur all of the time. But even then, like I don't really think there's much advantage to gamers getting additional low quality frames like it just doesn't improve mm. the experience of gaming all that much 
I guess, you know, from one perspective, like it's good that AMD are giving gamers the choice to use or not use this feature. Like you don't have to use it. You're not forced to use it. It's disabled by default. Um, you know, as far as I know, they're not really trying to sell graphics cards based on this feature yet. Let's hope that they don't do that in the future. But you're not forced to use it, so it's a choice. Giving con- consumers choice is, is often good. But, yeah, it's just not a feature that I would use. And I think that potentially AMD would be better off if they allocated the resources that were used to create fluid motion frames and put that into improving, say, FSR2 upscaling. Maybe create fluid motion frames in the future when the technology is there to support a driver side feature that can create these like really high quality frames. But for now, like how many issues do we talk about with FSR three? How many issues have we talked about with FSR two upscaling? Someone had to develop this feature. It potentially took resources away from being able to get out FSR three better, being able to fix FSR 2s upscaling quality. I, I, don't, I don't know. I'm just not that impressed. Yep. No. Fair enough. It's possibly a situation where AMD is trying to be the first to release a feature as well or I don't think Nvidia would create this feature in their driver like I think mm. the first obvious step for introducing more versions of DLSS 3 frame generation would be getting it just to work on like a 30 series GPU even if it's mm. at a lower quality I think that would be the next obvious step if Nvidia wanted to go down the path of introducing frame generation in more ways uh, you just do that because that would open up a lot of you know compatibility to other GPU owners. Not that I'm saying they will do that. They almost certainly will not do that. But it seems like NVIDIA's got more of a, I don't know, are they more concerned about the quality of features? Like they're not willing to give people a low quality feature even if it's just an option. Like they don't want their brand associated with these sort of crappy features. Like they've sort of I done mean, things like, they've got their... What is it? It's like a FSR1 equivalent. It's like called NVIDIA Image Scaling, which is just like mm-hmm. spatial upscaling. It's not great. That's in the driver, but it's very much buried. Like it's not it's not something that you can easily just toggle on or off. You have to go into their terrible interface and try to find it. It's not clearly not really meant to be used. I just don't think they want to have that associated with them. I don't think it's I, I don't think it's that. I think it's just they want features that they can use to sell new GPUs. I mean, because DLSS sucked. That was embarrassingly bad. Uh, and they basically scrapped it and started again. It's DLSS 1 was, it was still called DLSS. DLSS 2 is still DLSS, but they are two radically different things with very different results. And the original implementation was horrific. Uh, ray tracing wasn't great to begin with. And really, first generation ray tracing as a whole wasn't good. It, it, in on my opinion, ray tracing got good, became usable at the high end with the geforce 30 series and then that, that sort of continued on though the 40 series didn't exactly move things forward that much if you exclude things like the 1600 rtx 4090 yeah i don't think they're that concerned with the quality of the features obviously both companies would like their features not to suck but they just want a, a feature that's very marketable that will get people excited and buy their cards you know we, we talked at length about frame generation being marketed let's say incorrectly as a performance enhancer and some people fell for that initially whereas you didn't we didn't i get where you're coming from i think though that nvidia they could have done like a driver side frame generation that was exclusive to the 40 series and launched that alongside dlss3 like they could have said, well, we've got DLSS 3 frame generation that is integrated into games, runs on the 40 series. But also if you buy a 40 series card in the driver, you can just turn on frame generation for all GPUs and just not backport that to a previous generation. 
I think with DLSS and ray tracing, I think NVIDIA did think those products would be good quality. Like I think they did genuinely believe that ray tracing at the beginning was providing a quality improvement over standard gaming. And I think that they were perhaps surprised that a lot of gamers didn't agree with them on that. I think similar with DLSS, they were expecting that gamers would think that that was a good technology that improved the, not necessarily the image quality, but just gave you more frames for a, a fairly minor hit to image quality. And we sort of showed, I think that the main reason why DLSS one wasn't a success is we put it up against what can we do with other forms of resolution scaling to get the same frame rate, which was not shown in any of NVIDIA's marketing. It was just turn on this feature, frame goes up compared to native frame. You know, it looks kind of the -hmm. same sort of. So that's where they're sort of marketing it from. Whereas I think with this sort of driver-based frame generation, the concept itself seems to me to be something that does it is probably not going to work. Like it's probably not going to be able to deliver a good quality experience just because things like the UI are always going to have to be put into the frame gen algorithm. And so far, every time that's happened, it looks like crap. I guess it could be the, like, I think obviously the, the focus for NVIDIA's frame generation was making it work just with the 40 series so we can sell more GPUs. I don't know. I could go either way on that. I think you've made some good points. I think they could go, I think it could go either way on whether they take some pride in their features or not. I'm saying AMD doesn't take pride in their features or not, but this feature, it just isn't, it just isn't it. Like it just isn't something that you would buy a Radeon GPU for to use. I just don't see myself playing with this feature on. So again, like I'm holding hope that obviously if they fix some of the issues, like it not working with HDR, V-Sync, things like that, frame pacing is a little off as well. If they fix some of those things, it will be improved compared to where it is. But the main the main issue is the the quality of those frames. If they can really significantly improve the quality of the frames, they can, I don't know, reject the UI or use some sort of fancy image detection technology to improve the quality of those aspects, then yeah, maybe at some point in the future it will be feasible. But just right now, it just doesn't seem like a feature without game input is going to deliver a quality that's acceptable. Like I'm just not interested mm-hmm. in having my frame rate counter go up, but then have it just basically just generate crap, like generate garbage to make that counter go up. Like mm. at least a lot of the time, the generated frames from FSR3 or DLSS3 are a reasonable quality. Mm-hmm. Whereas this just, yeah, I don't know. Like there's pl- plenty of times it doesn't work very well. I've played plenty of games now. Just, yeah, it's, it's not it. We'll see where that goes in the future. Um, but yeah, don't hold my, my hopes out for that one, unfortunately. So Fair enough. Well, I'm keen to watch your video when I can finally do so. Yeah, yep, should, should be out soon. And yeah, like I said, I think AMD's made the right choice in labeling this as a preview. So, you know, they're not sort of going out and saying this is a must-have feature. You must buy a 7000 series product to get access to this. It's labeled correctly, which I think mitigates a fair bit of it. Like you can just sort of excuse it as something that you're never going to use. And Be just careful, it. Tim. Be careful. Be what? careful with that. You're opening yourself up to uh, some criticism on that one. Yeah. Remember what we talked about last week with with beta labeling and stuff like that? Well, I think <laughs> I think FSR3 wasn't labeled as a beta version, which was the issue with it. It would have been... Yeah, yeah, yeah. A well, it be- wasn't, but... but, but yeah, it wasn't, but we were well, I was I was certainly saying, I think you're agreeing that even if it was, it's still a feature that they're releasing for people to to use and it's sort of their DLSS ca- counter. Yeah, I think that's a double that, that was a double issue. It it's it wasn't labeled as a beta, but it had issues that you would associate with some sort of preview technology 
And they were very clearly marketing their GPUs based on having FSR three and having that being a competitor to DLSS three. Yeah, that's right. So that's it was right. kind of the jewel, the jewel thing. So yeah. I think with this, again, like if in, if AMD starts advertising fluid motion frames as a key feature for their products, like for example, they may compare a Radeon GPU in Starfield with fluid motion frames turned on to it being turned off, or compare you know, a Radeon GPU with that feature on compared to an NVIDIA GPU with it off, then very much it goes from, forget calling it a preview, I don't care anymore, you are fully advertising this as a feature that you should be buying GPUs for, and I would just mm -hmm. strongly say that it's not a feature you should buy a GPU for. I think that would change the framing a lot. But if mm -hmm. they come out and they, they never advertise it in that way, and it remains a preview until issues are fixed, then I guess that's a, a lot better. Like it's just a feature you could choose to use or not use, and it doesn't really matter either way. Like you just wouldn't buy a GPU for it. You can use it if you want to. They're not trying to sell you on it. It's not increasing or inflating the price of GPUs. It just is there. Kind of something like mm -hmm. Radeon Boost. Like I guess they, ha they sometimes market that, but it's pretty rare these days that that's a focus of their marketing. It's a feature I don't think is great. It's kind of just there if you want to use it. It's, it's whatever. Mm -hmm. So yep. I think it'll depend a lot on which path they go down there. And if they, yeah, if they start advertising this and running games with like fluid motion frames on, I was, it's, it's not, just, just don't, just don't do that, please. Mm -hmm. <laughs> no, look, I totally agree with you. Um, I was being a bit cheeky, but at the same time, you know, someone's going to pull you up on that. Oh, absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So, so good, good to clarify. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. We'll see what happens there. So we'll see whether AMD can improve that technology as time goes on. Let's take a break. Let's come back. We'll talk about our boring lives. We'll see what's been happening and yeah. All right, Tim, I'll start by telling you about my boring life and as you can guess, is boring. <laughs> uh, since we last spoke, I've mowed my lawns. So that was probably one, close to one of my highlights. Wow, this is um, off to a great start. We're talking about mowing the lawn. Well, I, sp I yep. sprayed some weeds. So, Oh, I, I did that as well, actually. I, that, yeah, but I think mowing the lawns was more exciting than that. So yep. that was I was going to get to that. Yep. So you've ruined my second story. Oh, so, sorry. Mm, well, I'll try and move on from that disappointment. Uh, I did order a lot of steel because under my, I've got a big deck on the back of our house and under it, uh, I'm building like a, it's, it's, it's almost going to be the design of, you know, like people use like shipping containers as like garden storage and stuff yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm doing the reverse of that. So under it, I've got a 15 meter by about f almost four and a half meter area that I've not been able to use for like 10 years because we've just had stuff there. So I've cleaned it up. I've got a concrete slab laid now. That's really good. And I'm going to box it all in. Um, so it'll be like color bond on the outside. There's the deck on top, which I've already got a roof under that. Uh, and I'm sort of going to, I've not done this before, but I bought a heap of um, new galvanized sheet metal and I'm going to put that inside uh, and it might end up being like a giant custom shipping container from the inside and then look like, Oh yeah. You know, it's, it's, I don't know. I'll, I'll take some photos. I'll put it in discord as I go. Uh, but I, I had to order a lot of color bond, uh, a lot of steel for all the framing and everything. So there'll be welding and all that sort of stuff involved. So I don't know. I, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm I'm interested. So it's a side project. So I'm going to get into that. I'll, it'll be something that I'll probably do over a couple of months because, you know, there'll be a few hours here when I've got time and sort of like how we did the shed project. So what are you planning so on using fun. it for? Like what are you putting in um, the, the container that you're making? 
Right, like I've got like a mini skid steer, a, a big ride on mower. I've got a couple of different trailers and things. So put them under there. I'm also going to do the same thing under the shed that I built as well. So I'll have yep. another 15 by four meter area there. But it's just good like, because my main shed that I built, people listening won't really be, or some people listening won't be familiar with this shed project that I did years ago now, but I built a big shed, which is kind of like a house. Um, like insects and spiders can't get in there. It, yeah, it's it's kind of nicer than my house and it's my shed, but it's like a clean room. So I keep my kayaks there, you know, get spiders and all that you know, stuff in there. Yeah. Everything stays. I could put a computer in there and just leave it there for two years, come back and there wouldn't be a speck of dust on it. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool like that. Uh, but it's, it's really for, yeah, storing excess computer gear, my kayaking and fishing gear. So that stays nice. So when I come to get it, it's, it's all good and things like that. We have a, we have a spa in there now. There's a nice TV down there. It's a pretty cool place to hang out and it's also very functional, but I can't chuck like a muddy shovel in there or, I don't weld or I don't cut timber in there. It's not that it's not a workshop. Yeah. It's yeah. it's more it's more like clean storage slash practical usable area. So we need somewhere where, you know, I can dump the skid steer, the mower, trailers, garden tools, all that kind of stuff. So it's like a it's gonna be like a garden shed container area. But I'm gonna have like an electric roller door on it, and it's still gonna be quite good in the sense that I wanna try and It'll be more like your your typical garage. Like I'm going to try keep the elements and insects and things mostly out. It won't be as good as the shed because roller doors don't seal up as well. But there's not going to be like spiders through everything. Like if I leave my mower outside for a week, it's like, yeah, I've got to contend with about 10,000 <laughs> spiders to use it. They're just bloody everywhere. Yep. I'll be mowing. There'll be one going down my arm. I'm going to flick him off and keep going. So yeah, make it, make it a bit more, a bit nicer for all the gear. So that's, Nice. That sounds That's, cool. Um, yeah, I haven't got into it too much yet. I, I did the measuring, the ordering, the planning stage. Hopefully, I'll start building on it midway through next week, weather dependent. So that's that's it. Plan. I've still got to finish my monitor stand, which has been really functional, working well. But there's a few little tweaks I've got to make to it. The video is half made, but of course, I got sick. Then I got better. Then games got released and products got released. So I need like a day or two to finish that. As in. Um, there'll only be a couple of hours left to finish the uh, monitor stand, but we've got a film edit. So throw a day at that, you get yourself a video. So we're, we'll probably do that as well next week. Uh, and then this week's kind of sucked. I've done updated testing. I, I, I won't say what for because I don't want to give anything away, but I'm sure those of you who are in the know know what I'm talking about. But I've spent the last four or five days doing nothing but updated testing for a video next week. And I think the video is going to be pretty underwhelming, pretty boring. It's just another one of those releases where like, eh. So that, that's been hard in terms of motivation. I've just wanted to get outside and start playing and, and building. But instead, I've sort of got to do this video. Yeah, and that's where enough. I suppose like last week I spoke about how, you know, I consider this to be a hobby, which is very true. And it's rare that I have things I don't want to do because it's it's generally fun and it's, it's playtime. Um, but when it does feel like a business or a job is when you get like a very boring product that you have to sort of cover because yeah i mean you, know, I, you can't i'm sort of feeling that now working on this fluid motion frames video it's like mm -hmm. i'm interested in it from the perspective of i was interested in fsr3 and frame generation and how that all plays into the marketing of all these companies and where they're going with it but when you actually start testing like i yesterday i basically spent the whole day just like Basically, when testing these like image quality things, I like to have a day to sort of get used to 
how the technology works because it's mm-hmm. a very subjective thing like comparing image quality i kind of want to just run it through a whole bunch of games see how it plays out with like different styles of games like racing games shooters slower paced games and just you know try and break it like it has this weird feature where you move the mouse too quickly and frame generation gets turned off because obviously the quality of frames is is you know, not great when in really fast motion. So doing things like changing the DPI of the mouse, running controllers, can we break that, make sure that it, you know, see where it does and doesn't work. So I like to spend a day doing that. And after I'd spent the day doing it, I was like, oh no, now I've got to make a video about this because this is like not a very good technology that I wouldn't recommend anyone (laughs) use. And yeah, like I don't expect the video to have the original scope I was thinking of. Like originally I was planning like, you know, lots of in-depth quality comparisons, you know, maybe some latency testing, but I expect that a lot of that, just based on, you know, the amount of time I've got left and things like that, will largely be cut down into just a more basic sort of just look at it. Like have yeah. a look, get it done, move on onto something that's much more exciting. So I, I certainly feel that like those feature, those videos do come up every once in a while where you kind of have to look at it, but then it's like, meh, like, I don't really care that much. Yeah, that's right. Like you, you, if you're doing like a 16 game test or something, you get two games in, you're like, oh, uh, okay. Then you do the third game. You're like, yep, that's confirmed. And it's like, well, I got to do like 13 more games and I pretty much know how this is going to turn out. And then you've done all of that testing, which was unexciting and you sort of had to push yourself to get through it all. And it's like, how many of these graphs where I've got nothing to say do I actually want to present to the audience? And there's been reviews in the past where we've gone, well, we tested 16 games. Normally we'd go over most, if not all of the graphs, but we're going to look at like two because those two graphs tell you everything that the other 14 are also going to tell you. So yeah, you go from being excited or interested in looking at a new technology or a new product, and then it can quickly turn to, oh man, I've kind of committed to doing this so now I've got to do it and we can't say like FSR3 say FSR3 was so bad that you didn't even want to test it and I said it we treat it more like a hobby because that's actually the case that is true but where it does become a bit of a job is we can't just go well it's crap it's boring I'm not interested so we're not going to cover it because could you imagine the blowback if we if we look at DLSS even if it's not that positive and then we ignore AMD's equivalent feature and we're like, yeah, we can't be bothered testing it because it's no good. Yeah, I mean, um, you commit to testing one, you're basically committing to evaluating that feature across all the the different yeah. competitors and things like that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, just like as well, like even to, if those, that feature was never exciting from the beginning, it's kind of such a heavily marketed feature that you're almost obligated to look at it anyway. Like there, there are sort of more minor features where I sort of go, oh, I'm not super interested. Like game streaming, for example, is something I don't do. I'm not interested. I don't watch game streamers. I just don't care. So mm-hmm. testing game streaming is like, oh, like, do I really want to do that? I'm probably not going to do it. So things like that, I'm just but, like, yeah, just ignore. But, but then if you, if you test like AV1 encoding performance on a GeForce GPU, yeah, then, you have then it's to like, well, it. yeah. You're going to have to do on the Radeon GPU, and then probably the Intel GPU, and then all of a sudden you're like, you know, an encoding expert because you've just gone down that rabbit hole. So you've got to be careful. Yep, pretty much. Well, this week I also did some monitor-related stuff. I changed my workstation monitor setup. So previously at my workstation I was using 
a 34 inch 3440 by 14 ultra wide and a 27 inch 4k monitor as well so usually i'd have on the ultra wide like split screen side by side apps and then the uh, an additional monitor for more stuff so if i'm editing videos premiere would have been across the entirety of the ultra wide so it's quite nice you get a fair bit of space to do things the timeline you know gets large and stretches out and then the the other monitor would be used as sort of like a playback monitor so I can view the 4K video mm-hmm. in 4K. And I've always been wanting to switch that out for three 32-inch 4K monitors, sort of like what you have. And yeah, just this week I was like, oh, actually I have three 32-inch 4K monitors over in my monitor wall. I've got two from LG and one from Lenovo. I've got the mm-hmm. Y32P30. I've got the 32GR93U and the 32GQ950. I think those are the right product names. Mm, that, that, that last one's one of my favorites, actually. <laughs> oh, my God. The product name's so bad. Anyway, I put those three monitors together, put it on my desk, set it up, and, yeah, it's been working It's been working pretty well. Lots more screen real mm. estate sort of as intended. You know, that end of my desk has always had more space for monitors than I've sort of had there. The reason why I was using that setup previously is because in previous desktops, I didn't have heaps of space for like tons of monitors. Um, but yeah, running the three 32-inch 4K monitors is certainly much better. And because they're all the same resolution, you avoid that thing in Windows where mm. you drag a window from one screen to another screen that's of different resolution or scaling factors and it kind of like lags a bit and it, it sort of has to readjust and resize things. Yeah, that doesn't happen anymore, which is... Is mm-hmm. certainly much better and eventually on the on the left hand side i'm going to mount a monitor a 27 inch monitor above the 32 inch monitor to use as a as my uh monitor results um sort of screen okay. which is put okay. which is not hooked up to my workstation so i've got a dedicated pc that's used for monitor testing so that just runs all the the software and you know is hooked up to the monitors that are being tested, keeps everything nice and clean so that if I'm using my PC at the same time, I'm not accidentally interfering with the testing, like dragging a window across accidentally onto that monitor that's being tested. So eventually it's going to have like the results that I'm currently working on are being shown like above the 32-inch monitor. And then I might have my spreadsheet where I keep all the results just below on the 32-inch 4K monitor. So as I'm sort of moving around to the left side, which is where I do all my monitor testing, it's got all that stuff um, quite easily okay. accessible right there. And the reason why I don't have it you know, to the left of that monitor instead of above is that that would then cut into this space I have four monitors to physically be there to be tested. I could probably fit them bo- both side by side with some monitors, but occasionally I've been testing, you know, 42-inch, 48-inch yeah, things. Yeah. No, that makes sense. Requires a lot of space. So having the monitor sort of, that, that all that space clear and available for that and then the other monitor above is going to, I don't know, hopefully be okay, but I have to get a monitor arm to sort of I was gonna say if you've got a really good um if you've got a really good single um mount monitor arm, it could probably swivel from next yes. to and then up. So that that would make it a bit more flexible. But yeah, that, that's pretty similar to what I've I've got going on. But yeah, the, the triple uh 32 inch 4K, it's very nice. It yeah. works very well. Yeah, it's definitely the way to go. And yeah, I was able to calibrate all three monitors to look relatively similar which was good because when you get three different monitors from three different brands it can often be a bit difficult to sort of get them all mm. looking exactly the same which is usually why you'd want to have three identical monitors uh, but i was able to get them pretty close between the three it helped that i think one or two of them were actually pretty good out of the box so it didn't require that much adjustment or calibration and then yeah just a little bit of work across all three got them to a pretty good 
good point. I'm not going to be really frustrated by like moving one, you know, uh, window from one side to the other and it goes from like yellow to blue, which always like I'm so sensitive to that stuff now after testing monitors for so long that I'm like, oh, it's like slightly off. So yeah, I was able to get it to a point where I'm at least not going to notice that stuff too much, which is good. So yeah, I did that the other day and yeah, that should set me up for the future. Now I've got to box up some more monitors, put them away in storage, the old stuff and yeah, keep going. Obviously that's separate from my gaming setup, which is like a separate area of my mm-hmm. test setup so don't use this setup for gaming uh, that was also what yeah come to think of it that was also why i was using an ultra wide monitor previously i used to have the one system that was used as a workstation and for gaming but now mm. that i've got much more space in my new setup i sort of got this the dedicated workstation and the dedicated uh gaming setup which is just a much better way of yeah you, know, you optimize the components and things like uh, that. of course i waited forever and a day for a 32-inch 4K 144 hertz panel, yeah, I finally got one that does it all for me, and then I got a dedicated gaming setup that's completely separate to my work setup. So I was like, well, that didn't really matter too much, though. It is nice using a 144 hertz panel because going to 60 hertz is gross, even oh, for I would not use it. Yeah, would not use 60 hertz no, for productivity anymore. No way. Yeah, it's it's really bad. I don't, yeah, just as soon as you move the mouse, it's like, oh, what's going on there? Makes the computer feel so sluggish. Well, next, anyway, next year you'll be able to upgrade to 32-inch 4K 240Hz OLED for your gaming setup. So you'll be able to get a nice yes. big screen for that as well. And mm-hmm. hopefully at some point they'll have proper 4K 120Hz capture cards. I think you can, like, again, we saw one at Computex, but it wasn't like a final product, never really managed to go anywhere with trying to get one. I would still like to get one because for this F, like fluid motion frames testing, what you get on your monitor is slightly different to what you get from like a just a relive capture, like Radeon Relive is their, you know, video capture, screen capture oh, right. software. Um, yep. So, uh, yeah, it looks a little different there because the frames are paced a bit differently. So it would be nice to get like a 4K 120 hertz, like HDMI 2.1 capture card with pass-through and things like that. So, yeah, that would be good for your gaming setup as well because you stream games. So, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I haven't for a while, but I, I plan to get back to it at some point. Yeah, just be very busy at the moment. Haven't been able yeah, to yep. to do too much gaming. With that said, in the next couple of weeks, not sure if I'll be finished with it next week or the week after, but I will provide my Starfield review. Now, not as not that I'm a game reviewer or anything, but I have almost played through the whole game. So uh, I'll get to, yeah, just give you my thoughts on it. If people, for the zero people that care about my thoughts on games, I will so provide So is this for that. the podcast, is it? Yeah, yeah. Or- yeah, okay, well, cool. just for my personal enjoyment, obviously. Like, I'm not playing it for the podcast reasons. Like, I'm playing it because no, I no, no, yeah, want to play yeah. it. But No, I, I meant more where you're giving the feedback. Yeah, I was yeah. like, are you starting, like, oh. some sort of... <laughs> no, I'm not going to review games on the channel, no. It'll be a very casual chat about the things I like and don't yeah. like about the game okay. in, in this section of the podcast in a couple of weeks once I'm finished with it. Uh, okay. I, think, I think I've played, like, my current saves like, 70 hours or something. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's getting towards the end and, yeah, I'll have my, my thoughts on it. At some point. Okay. Again, cool. Probably two people care. So anyway, that's probably it for this podcast. Um, thanks to everyone that's listened to this to the end. We always appreciate people that do uh get through the whole thing, which is probably a challenge as we start talking about mowing the lawn and spraying weeds. It's not that exciting from that. That's point. the highlight. What? <laughs> no, what? Actually, I could mow my lawn soon, but it's it's is it still raining? Yeah, it's it's gonna yeah, rain it all day today too. Let's yeah, talk about the down. weather now. That's the anyway. only way we could get <laughs> 
No mowing the lawn today because it's been raining. Let's end the podcast. Let's stop talking about mowing the lawn. Thanks, everyone, for watching. Subscribe to the Hardware Unbox podcast channel. Get it in your feeds and things like that. If you want to submit feedback, the comment section of the YouTube video is the best way to do that. So even if you listen to the audio feed, you want to respond to something that we've said, head over to the YouTube video, put your feedback in there, or our Discord community if you're part of that. So, yeah, thanks, and we'll see you in the next one. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.